Hi, how you doing? This is Kirk Doran with Creekstone Farms Premium Beef. Hi, I'm Tom. And I'm Taylor. And we are the owners of Vintage Vegan Diner, and you are listening to Two Sharp Chefs. What's up, chefs, hospitality family, foodies? You're listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louie Victa, chef and professional food photographer. Thanks for joining us. We started this podcast in June 2019 to honor Anthony Bourdain, a fellow chef who gave us all a better understanding of different cultures and people through his daring food adventures. We're here to expand the dialogue. We're two chefs cooking up raw, honest conversations about chef life, food, and the hospitality industry. So come on in. You can sit with us. Hello, Louie. Hey, Two Sharp hello. Chefs here. Um, today we have a special guest, Joanna Rodriguez. She's the executive sous chef of Major Domo Meat and Fish. Special meaning, very special to us. Uh, we worked together at Bizarre Meat for many years, and then she moved on, as many people do, to great things after Bizarre. And we're going to be talking to her about what it's like to be a lady boss in the kitchen. Because if anybody's a lady boss in the kitchen, it's Joanna. Um, um, so we're speaking about chef things today. So we, in pandemic provisions, are talking about chef myths. So there are many um, interesting ideas about what chef life is really like. Um, and one of them I'm going to talk about is, so when you go to culinary school or you dream about being a chef or you're a foodie and you think, what a glamorous life in the kitchen. <laughs> Um, first of all, it's not that glamorous. Second, um, it's fun. It's, there's, there's got its moments, good and bad, like any job. Uh, but one of the myths is that as you move up through the ranks that you get to, you know, finally like cook so much and create all these amazing, like, you know, dishes. And, you know, that's true in some ways. Sometimes you get to do specials. Um, but a lot of the time, as you move up in the kitchen, you get more responsibility and it's more executive responsibility and management responsibility um, than actually like being able to like get your hands in the food. So we talk to chefs all the time and they're like, I think people in the audience sometimes get confused. Like, what do you mean that you want to like get your hands on the food? Of course you have your hands on the food. Not so much when you're either running the line or, you know, you're an executive chef, a sous chef, like you are doing orders, you're doing a shit ton of paperwork. Um, the worst thing that I didn't like about chef life was the disciplinary act, uh, disciplinary part of it. I don't really like disciplining people. I don't like being like the teacher type. Like a lot of people are really great at that and they love it. I don't like that aspect of it, like of management. Um, so you do a lot more of that kind of stuff than you do of the actual cooking. So unfortunately that becomes the case for many chefs. Louie, you've got another one that uh, people, you know, think about us that is not necessarily true. It's like a simple, obvious phenomenon. Like, please don't ask us to cook on our days off. We actually want to go out too and um, receive service instead of give service to other people. I would say that a majority of us too have pretty shitty eating habits. I was told this, that um, I eat my food way too fast. And that's because like for the longest time, ever since I was in the kitchen, I have to wolf down this meal. 
I don't yeah. have an hour to spend on this one little dinner. I had like 20 minutes to like get this down and, you know, get comfortable before like I serve like 10 million people their food. So. Yeah, and you'll see you'll see cooks, professional cooks, chefs, a lot of the time eating standing up. Like mm-hmm. if you even have a spot at all to eat, like if you're not actually physically holding your plate and your fork or your bowl, like sometimes like I would just take like a stainless steel bowl, like off the rack and throw like a salad together (laughs) and eat it sometimes honestly like why i was like calling out stuff on the line because there was nobody else to pick up the slack to do the expediting because sometimes that happens and or no a lot of the time that happens (laughs) and so you know you don't really have a break a lot of the time and so of course you develop these bad habits of eating super quickly not Mm -hmm. chewing your food a, a lot which leads to digestion problems. Um, And I mean, what I've kind of seen a lot of the time with our friends is, you know, they probably don't cook a lot during the week because it's just, you don't get home until like one o'clock in the morning, 12, two o'clock, who knows? It depends on like what your job is and what shift you have that you honestly just don't even want to like deal with it because you're so tired and it's so late. Um, And you pick up fast food on the way home or something because you're just starving. Um, But then sometimes, you know, what'll happen is like a lot of chefs will do like a Sunday dinner, like with their friends or their family. um, And that's when you kind of come out and like cook. Um, But if you're looking for someone that's going to cook every single night for you and have a chef job, that's going to be really hard to accomplish. Mm-mm. Not us, not I, not I. I mean, it, it would be like a saint to be able to do that every single day with your, you know, not 60, I. 70 hour a week job. All right, y'all, we have a woman today who is uh, seriously killing the game. Um, she's actually a former colleague of ours from Bizarre Meats. So this is like a full Bizarre Meat, like full circle situation here. Um, she's now the executive sous chef at David Chang's Major Domo Meat and Fish at the Palazzo. Joe, you're freaking finally on the podcast. Hey, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. This is one of the facts that I love about you. You are seriously unafraid to open restaurants. You do not give a fuck. You are in the open team of so many restaurants. So just in the time I've known you, Joe, um, you've helped open Bazaar. That was with us. Carbone, Nomad, and of course, most recently, Major Domo. So is this all like a coincidence? Do you like the challenge? Do you like the adrenaline rush? Like, what's the deal? I don't know. Honestly, I like the last one I did with Major Dumb, I was like, oh my God, I just keep doing this to myself. I told myself after no matter it would be my last reopening. This is like <laughs> so hard. Like it's chaos. Like it's all the crazy bad things and the good things all in one. And like, I don't know. I just keep going back for more, I guess. I just, I like the pain. I don't know. But um, like, all I guess jokes aside, I think it's just, it's, it's very rewarding. It's very fun. And like, it's one of, I think one of the best parts of working in a restaurant when you get to open a new restaurant. Um, and it just happens that this gravitate towards openings. And I happen to be, I won't say like really good at it, but like pretty good at it. Just cause like, I always make it to the end, you know, like, <laughs> Like yeah. it through openings and somehow I still managed to make it. So like, I guess it's like maybe something I'm cut off for. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the most positive way, I guess, to think of it. But yeah, I, I don't know. It just happens that it just ends up that way. It's always easier to come like on the back end of it when like things are running smooth, but like really paving the way and charting new territory 
So it, that takes a lot of like bandwidth and all that. And dude, kudos to you. You're a sucker for pain, <laughs> but I mean, if that's your specialty, that's your specialty, right? No one's ever really prepared for like a restaurant opening. Like doesn't matter how many restaurants opened or like how, you know, how big your portfolio is. Like you're never really prepared for like what is to come. You can have like, you can, you can like prepare for the, like the worst and like hope for the best kind of thing. But it's always like something, there's always like an unknown factor that's involved and just hit, shit hits the fan regardless. And you just kind of have to be able to be proactive. How do you develop that over the years? You know, like that lack of fear and that just, or is it just like the experience? How have you been able to develop that? Yeah. I mean, like you hit it on the nail, like for me being a cook, I've been a cook for a very long time. I spent a long time just like working different restaurants, building my, you know, techniques and craft and just like stamina as well. Um, and for a long time, I always was like very hard on myself. And I think like, a, I think a lot of cooks are, and a lot of, you know, especially female cooks, especially because they, they get criticized even harder than most people. Um, and in general, you know, like everyone gets criticized, but for some reason, like we're under a microscope all the time. Um, and I think like all that time being under that microscope, like I've always kind of uh, felt like I wasn't ready or maybe I just, I didn't know as much or like, you know, like I was, I was insecure. And like one of those things that I always try to work on as far as being the cook, like I was confident in my cooking, but I wasn't like a confident presence in the kitchen. Um, and eventually like, I don't know. I think like, I don't know. I don't think I just got tired of like, I don't know, taking people's shit or like <laughs> seeing other like shitty cooks, like get away with stuff. And I was like, fuck you guys. Like, I do this right and like I know I do so you know what like eventually like you just kind of build that breaking point and you're just like enough is enough and like if you're not going to do it then get out of my way and so that's kind of where like I realized like it doesn't matter if you're not ready or if you don't think you're ready like to be a manager or whatever it is like a leader in the kitchen like it's just like it's just like accepting that you're not perfect and then just is like knowing when you're right and and just like going forward that and like and like um I guess trusting your gut and so like I've progressively through through like giving myself you know um I guess not more slack but like giving myself little gold stars every time I'm not doing something right um I've kind of built that confidence and that like um conviction of like being able to like know what's right from wrong and then like holding people accountable because as long as I'm holding myself accountable to those standards like I can do the same with everybody else um and it's kind of like talk the talk and walk the walking so yeah as time has progressed and even more so when I became a like manager um I just learned to be like um I'm still like empathetic but also at the same time like I just there's like non-negotiables for me and if it's like and if it's like if there's negligence involved like get out get the fuck out like we're gonna have to talk about it you know like we're gonna sit down and figure out why you're being like this and if there's no solutions and that then I have to tell you you know like you, then you're not in the right place. Um, and so for me, I think that's like, that was it. Or it was like, we either work together or, or not at all. You know, yeah. I love that. Um, actually I texted you like the other day because there was this like clip that was super going viral. That lady, I think it's called at lady line cook. She's like big on Instagram and TikTok, and she's kind of a badass, and she, you know, has like moved up to the ranks, just like you kind of. And she was doing this TikTok where she was just like, excuse me, are why are you looking at that guy behind me? Look at me. I'm the chef. Like what the fuck dude? Like, Hey, hello. Like me. Oh, go ahead and tell him. Cause then you're going to have to tell me again. Like just how she was like talking. It reminded me so much of you. And you've actually described to us experiences like that when like people have like tried to walk right past you in the kitchen. Oh, I <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. 
it blows my mind like okay like okay so at domo everyone wears t-shirts like blue t-shirts so no one's actually in chef jackets and i do have chef jackets but i prefer wearing t-shirts because they're more comfortable but there's days i wear jackets and like even the days that i have a jacket on with my initials like i have like i have guys coming in like looking for someone like they look like the tallest guy in the kitchen like hey uh well i heard there's a work order or something like that and then they like look at me and they point at me and they're like she's the one you gotta talk to and it's like Dude, like, and sometimes I'll even be like, I'll walk by and kind of make eye contact, like, hey, what's up? Like, what are you doing here? You know? And then just kind of like keep walking by. And it's like, all right, well, I guess we're just going to have to wait until you figure out that I'm the chef here. I mean, in all honesty, there's still not that many of us. So, I mean, people just make their assumptions and they're dumb. Um, What would you tell like the girls and the women, the young women that are coming up now? You know, because like, obviously, we're all going to have to put in our time. But besides putting in your time and learning those skills, like what would you tell them in, in terms of that? You know what I mean? Like, cause you just have like a really good attitude about it. Like how, what would you tell them as advice? Just to believe in yourself as cheesy as that is, is like give yourself slack and like, it just go for it, you know? And another thing too, is like closed mouths don't get fed. And I think like a lot of women, or maybe just people in general, like cooks, like they feel like they're entitled to some kind of promotion or some kind of acknowledgement. Um, and it's like, it's even myself, like, I don't necessarily notice things like that all the time. Like, I know when I have a good cook and a bad cook, but like, I don't know if this is a good cook because they're just a genuinely good cook and a good person, or if they just like, are they actually like going for something, you know? And for me, it's like, if, if you want something, you have to say something about it, like mm-hmm. out there, like, don't be afraid to be rejected. Um, if you are whatever, move on and do the next thing that best suits you. But like, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and just like, go for it, you know, shoot your shot. Um, so Yeah. That's amazing advice because I feel like it goes back to this again. God love the women that are born and raised like that. But I think a lot of women aren't born and raised like that. And so we do have a harder time just saying, we expect that people are just going to notice, you know, like, oh, well, you're just going to notice my hard work. Like, I'm just going to put my head down. Like how they always say, like, put your head down and just work, you know? And it's like, yeah, that works sometimes. But a lot of the time, like you Mm -hmm. said, chefs are freaking busy. Managers are busy. And they sometimes don't notice the person that's putting their head down and working like 50 or 60 hours and like staying late and like coming in early. Like sometimes you just got to open your mouth and say it, you know, like, hey, look, I've been doing this and I've been doing that. And I've learned all these things in the kitchen. Like, is it maybe time for me to like get a promotion? You know, is it time for me to get a raise? Like you need to say it. Yeah, that's true. There's, yeah. a, there's a certain level of PRing that you should do too when you're working with like, especially like if you're working like with a group of talented people, like there's a certain level of like presentation and communication that you should have with your bosses if you do want to climb the rungs up of that ladder. Yeah, you know absolutely. That's, not a lot of people are aware of that. A lot of people no. are like, a lot of people are the type to punch in, punch out, you know, let me, let me just like cook all these dishes for the night go home yeah yeah and that's that's fine yeah yeah Yeah. and it's like I I mean honestly like I totally agree with you Joanna that when I've been in that position of you where it's like you can tell like oh this person's good you know whatever but you have no idea what their aspirations are and like you do tend to listen to the people that speak up because they're speaking to you because like you're doing a bunch of other shit you know and you're like ordering stuff and like you're trying to like hire somebody and you're like doing all kinds of crap that you don't realize that like Judy in the corner who's like a badass whatever like actually wants to move up you don't even know that because 
how could you, how could you assume that? Like, unless they say something to you, you know, I try to pay pay more attention to stuff like that, but I feel like it's, it's hard to do sometimes. And you just need to speak up ladies, please men and women, but especially ladies. Yeah. And I think like, it goes back to like, if you want something and, and, um, and you want to put yourself out there, it's okay to get rejected. And it's always good to ask for that constructive criticism. Like if I'm not ready yet, then what do I need to get there? You know, Mm -hmm. ask that stuff. And like, you know, talk to your colleagues and your coworkers. Well, I mean, not your, all your coworkers are kind of, <laughs> you know, talk to the people you trust and like, yeah. you rely on. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing if you're like on the same page with management team, but then again, not manage all management teams are like created equal. They, mm-hmm. they don't really take that like employee review seriously. Cause I know that at Bazaar, we all had where do you want to be in two years or something like that, or what your goals are. And we'll work towards that. But most, most employee reviews are just like, you did this, you called out so many times, you, you know, this and that and blah, blah, blah. So I need you to come in earlier or I need you not to no call, no show, something like that. So it really, yeah. take your team too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like it, it's, it's, it's sad to say, but like, you know, I think there's a lot of aspects involved, but you know, like sometimes you're not lucky with the managers you get. And a lot of them don't really care about investing in your future. And like working at Bazaar, obviously like, that was imprinted in me, like to create like a institution for cooks to become chefs. And that's something that's very important to me as well. Like being in this position, like I'm always rooting for everyone, you know, and I want to help people get to that point. Um, but sometimes not everyone's as invested or has the energy to be, cause like, you know, we also all have a lot going on our plates and, you know, some chefs are just overwhelmed by other things that that's like the last thing they're worried about. So it just, it just, you know, it's a lot of things involved, but you know, if that's what you want, you got to go for mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Um, so we were speaking about hiring and firing. Um, everybody that Louie and I come into contact with nowadays, that if they're in the industry, they're a chef, they're a manager of some sort, middle management or otherwise, they are desperate right now for amazing cooks or, you know, just plain cooks, to be honest. Um, what's been your experience like, you know, post pandemic? Well, we're not quite fully post, but like sort of post pandemic. And like, what have you been able to do? Or have you been able to do anything in the sense of like hiring and interviewing? Like, how has that been for you? Cause I know it's been challenging for most. Listen, beggars can't be choosers. So right? that's all I have to say about that. No, uh, but everybody's a beggar <laughs> right now. We're all everybody is a beggar. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so for hiring, yeah, it's fucking, it's a stretch. Cause like literally I'll, I'll you know, like 10 people like, Hey, come on in, whatever, whatever. And like, maybe like out of the 10, like, Maybe half of them show up, if that. And out of those half, like half of them even like make it to the door, like after that, like to their first day. Um, it's really hard right now. And then uh, I'm an interview. I'm like, all right, guys, wish you luck. You know, here I go. Like, uh, hopefully, like, it works out. You know. Um, but I, I try to like, kind of like, I obviously I start off by when I interview people is like feeling out like what they're looking for. Like first off, if we're even a good match, you know, like it's kind of like one of those things where you have to set preliminary expectations for both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause I know for a fact that major dental is not for everyone. Um, Momofuku company is not for everyone. I am not for everyone. And that's okay. Like I don't have to be, or we don't have to be, but you know, right now it's like, it's hard to be selective. So like, for me, it's just like, if you want to work, then I want you. That's all I care about. If you <laughs> I can teach you the rest, like I'll take it. Like, if you're here to work, we're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. And if you're okay with hard work, then it's going to work out just fine. There's also like the background checks and the drug test after that, because that can throw a wrench in like the whole um, yeah. 
in the whole process too. 100. So that yeah. might be like 0.5 of a guy <laughs> that comes back to you at the end of the yep. day. Yeah, he hired a guy like this week and he made it to his first day and then he called out his last like two days. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Do you guys like have a term for those kinds of people? I don't know. Like, I'm hoping that his actual excuse is like a legitimate excuse and I'm not being insensitive about it. But at this point, I'm so jaded. I'm like, ah, he'll, we'll never see them again. You've chosen like names and you've been, you know, successful at Robichon. You've worked for Daniel Hum, Jose Andres, David Chang. Um, what have you taken from those experiences? Were you just going for the name? Were you like, does that make a difference to you when looking for a job? Do you feel like, you know, it's positive, like on your resume, like, What's kind of been your strategy for that? Or are you just kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to go to a good restaurant? Uh, I think the first and foremost is like, I always do research. Like if, if the food, if the concept, if it all makes sense to me, if it's something that I want to learn or be part of, um, obviously like every one of those restaurants has like benefits to working besides the big name, you know, and like the reason why they're big chefs is they have good food. And so mm-hmm kind of those things were like, it's like two, two birds, one stone, you know, like you get a good resume, but you also get like a good experience. Um, so yeah, I think that was like the main thing for me. And like, even most recently I made your demo. I just, I really thought the cool, was the, the food was something cool that I wanted to learn about. I never really did like a lot of Asian, obviously like you have like the mix of all that influence and other things, but not like straight up. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is like looking for something that makes you excited. Like the food is something that you want to learn and know. Um, that's, that's kind of like what led to that direction. Okay. So you got married during the pandemic. This is <laughs> awesome. So many people did. Um, you met your husband at Robichon. Uh, Hey, Sean, what's up? Um, what's dinner like when you have two pro cooks, especially during a pandemic where you have more time, like, did you fancy it up at all? Or was it always just like, you know, chefy kind of food where it's just like, you, it's super chill. Like so yeah, yeah. It's like family meal food. But like, what, what's it like at the dinner table? Like, do you guys trade off? Does he mostly cook? Because like, you're working such crazy hours. Like what's the cooking situation? So when we were in quarantine, we were both cooking and it was like the best time of our lives because oh. we were able to make like fun different meals that we wanted. Uh, Sean is more like the chefy type where he likes to get like cool things and like base the fucking meat and like get these little ingredients and like make a little salad, like little garnishes and stuff. Like he gets really chefy with it. I remember we bought like micro like cilantro and flowers and I was like, babe, <laughs> pandemic. why are you buying these things? He's like, Cause I want to use it. It looks fun. Like, Oh my God. So like, he really gets all into it. He'll make like gas freaks and things like that. And I'm here just like, I, look, I just want a grilled steak with the, you know, some veggies and I'm happy. Um, but yeah, so we have fun and we bought, we bought, Oh my God. I felt like I drank way more during quarantine than any other time. Like it was like wine every day, like, or like some kind of cool ciders or beers. Uh, and just like a lot of pairings and stuff like that. Um, and actually I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like, so we had our quarantine friends, um, Alani and Justice. And so like, we had like little dinner parties with the four of us. All right. Um, and so we would like make a seat. So we'd have like one day it was like Korean and it was like Greek day and we would make like Greek items and, and Korean side dishes. And we just kind of have a little potluck. And so that was kind of fun too. Um, banging in obviously, cause we're all shops. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. And so for now, the, right now, since I'm working a lot, I don't really cook. Um, Sean does most of the cooking and, we keep it kind of simple just because like I'm trying not to like, 
I'm trying to maintain weight at least or not gain weight. So we try to do little healthier options. Like we do like quinoa salads and chicken breasts, kind of boring stuff like that. But we look now we do love pizzazz in it. Make sure it's properly seasoned at least. All right. Show and tell. Do you oh, right. show and tell? Show and so tell. I thought about this very hard. And I was like, yeah, I could pull out, you know, a tool. But one of my favorite things, and call me girly if you want, I don't care anymore. Um, I got this headbands and I love them because I use them every day. Literally every day at work, I wear this shit and it holds my hair. Because I don't like wearing hats. Um, and now that I'm a chef, I can do whatever I want. So that's, yeah. you know, pros to being a chef is that you can do whatever you want. You look like Rosie the Riveter. You can just like do that little thing with like a oh, yeah. curl. That's oh, what yeah. that looks like. Cause a little knot on the top and away it goes around. Yeah, I was like a bandana perfect. girl. So I totally so, did bandanas. I, I can't do bandanas cause it's hard for them. I can't tie that shit. Like I'm super low maintenance. So like, this is like the easiest thing for me. Jojo, we are going to move on. We're moving on to on the fly, which is 60 seconds. Rapid fire questions. In three, two, one. And let's go. Favorite meal from your mama? Uh, birria. She makes really good birria. It's like a house favorite for everyone. What's your food guilty pleasure? Ah, uh, I love nachos. I will die for nachos. Like, that's my go-to. Best 100-degree weather outside activity? Uh, ooh, I, uh, sun tanning? I don't know. Like, tanning, I guess? I would just tan. Or volunteer. Do you just stay in? Yeah, I just stay in. Or if, yeah. Or, if yeah. tanning in a Jasper is your thing. Yeah. <laughs> your biggest fear. Actually, I dry with my windows down at 100 degrees. So I don't know. Maybe that's just, I don't know, weirder like that. <laughs> oh, okay. Your biggest fear? Uh, the middle of the ocean. That's so fucking scary. I can't deal with that. Um, Are you still a crazy cat lady or are you now a dog person? I still love cats. I'm mean, obviously my dog is my favorite, but I love cats. I want a cat. Dream place to travel and eat. Uh travel and eat. I definitely want to go to Spain, just kind of hit up all those regions and then just Italy. I know that's like super cliche, but dude, they know what's up and so I want to try it all. Totally. Favorite karaoke song? Um, uh, have fun. Where is your worst cut or burn? Cut or burn? Uh, mm, I have like this weird like thing. So one time I pulled out uh, like boiling hot chicken bones and oil out of the like oven and I miscalculated like how awkward it was to pull it out and I just dropped the whole thing like oh, off oh. my and like all over my shoulder and my jacket was like so hot. And I was like, oh God, in the middle of service. I had to go back and work service and it was like oozing pain. Oh. And then my car is like, put hot butter on it. It won't burn. It won't save the stuff. Hot butter. Fuck, get out of here. Who raised you? <laughs> Dude, motherfucker told me to put like a fucking raw tomato on a fucking burn. It, it does work. A raw tomato kind of works. My grandma's got me egg whites, and that's what yeah. I do. Egg, egg whites. whites work better, 100%. But the raw tomato, the acid actually like fucking ate into the skin. No. That sounds uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. actually scar, just that little thing. The whole arm was like burned, but that was the only scar I got. I don't, my scars don't last for whatever reason. Lucky. You're lucky. You're lucky. Yeah. You're lucky. Um, favorite Vegas restaurant you have not worked at? I love Pizzeria Manzu. Like, I yeah. love it. Best use of your limited free time. 
fucking eating ice cream, just sitting down. Oh. That's what I do. When I come home, I eat ice cream and I scroll through Instagram and then like go to sleep. I thought you were going to say go to sleep because like you're always like, I want to sleep. I want my bed. <laughs> I love my bed. <laughs> or major domo. Tell us your favorite dish there and what people can expect if they go there. Okay. Uh, that's hard. Obviously all of them, but I really think that our APL, which is our, our uh, smoked short rib is like really fun and cool. It's got the whole banchan set up. So you get lettuce cups, you get samjang, you get pickled daikon uh, and you get like kimchi, house kimchi. Mm like a fun food because you can make tacos out of it and then we make a beef we make a rice out of the trimmings uh so it's like one of like all all in one meal and it's like fully thought out dish and i think it's awesome um and what to expect that major dono i think just a fun time we're going to leave super full um and in in kind of a an experience that you haven't really had in a long time i think it's like that sense of like hominess but with like something different you know it's totally different. It's totally what you don't expect at all. It's not momofuku. It's like not a ramen place. Like it's totally different than what I expected. Yeah. Um, but that's it. I think it's like something that's very familiar for everybody. Yay, Joanna. Thank you for joining us. Finally. Yay, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. If you like what you've heard, please like, share, and subscribe. We stream new episodes every other Monday. We love hearing from everybody. So please get social with us on Instagram at Two Sharp Chefs, on Facebook at Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Plus, check out my cooking blog at FromChefWithLove.com and Louis' amazing photography at LouisVicta.com. It's been a pleasure. We're 86 till next time.